Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Elite Heat. This, I think you guys are going to like the format. Kevin, we're going to try something new here. Thanks to your idea. I think this will be good. So for starters, what we're going to do is have a quick kind of off the cuff discussion about what's happening now, what's relevant, what's popping off. And really to me, Kevin, and you can feel free to chime in. I think the most relevant, interesting thing is all on SmackDown, Kevin. I think it all revolves around Reigns and the Bloodline once again, and we can give our thoughts on SmackDown in a moment. So Kevin, over to you, you know, overall thoughts on SmackDown, the, the Bloodline stuff, hit us with it. You know, I mean, I didn't think it was a, I didn't think it was a bad show, honestly. I mean, it, it's hard. Like, none of these shows really feel the way they did all those years ago, pretty leading up to WrestleMania when there was less content. But now we're just in this oversaturation of content era. Every show kind of blends together. So that's always one thing I try to keep in mind, too, when I'm watching something like this. Like, you know, for what it was and the scenario that we're in, wasn't bad. Uh, it was uh, it was headlined by Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns was on the show, so that's always great. He's not at every SmackDown nowadays, so when he is there, it's, it's must see. It's must see television, and yeah, Roman Reigns carried the show, pal. That that'd be my biggest takeaway. A hundred percent, hundred percent. When Roman's there, SmackDown is like, like you want to watch the full two hours. You don't know when they're going to showcase him. And to me, my big takeaway from this show, if like the point I'd want to make. At risk of oversaturation, but then again, he's part-time. So, Kevin, my honest take is that they need to feature Reigns more on SmackDown. Kevin, this show, we saw the, the very, like, the beginning of the show, the Bloodline got out of the car, which that was like a 20-second segment. We got a, a glimpse of Roman. He didn't even say anything. We saw Reigns backstage, like, 50 minutes in, addressing the Usos, and that was, like, excellent. And then we saw Roman literally in the main event segment we had like three glimpses of roman basically and i like i was watching it thinking look i'd rather i'd rather see whatever the bloodline have to do even if it's just some funny stupid segment backstage where paul Heyman's getting catering for the user i don't care anything involving that is better than watching you know this women's qualifying elimination chamber match which goes like 10 minutes it's more it just show the bloodline was my like big takeaway from this show. Yeah. And that's like, it's kind of a superstar treatment. You see Roman Reigns in one, two or three segments or multiple segments. That's, I, I think that's the way you should treat a superstar like him. So it makes sense. Um, yeah, but the show kicked off with, uh, with the tag team championship contenders tournament final. So we're in the middle of like this, like Usos and Sami Zayn, Bloodline, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens saga. Uh -huh. And instead of, you know, having Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn challenge for the titles, we're going to have Braun Strowman and Ricochet, who won the Tag Team Championship Contenders Tournament Final. They're going to be challenging the Usos for the titles. And I'm not mad at this. I don't hate this because we're going to see some sort of storyline advancement with the Usos Correct. in this match. Is Jey Uso going to show up? Is he going to be there for Jimmy? Uh, is he just, are they going to forfeit the belts, hand them over to, to Braun Strowman and Ricochet because Jay doesn't show up? Is Roman, are we going to see like a story, where, um, like a segment where Roman is dragging Jay Uso through the airport and forcing him to show up for this match? Like, there's a lot of ways they could go with this. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, I was watching this match and that was my initial thought. I was like, 
Ricochet and Braun Strowman. Like the Usos are nearly two years into their title reign as SmackDown tag champs, and this is what we're getting. But then, obviously, I, I thought to myself, well, Ricochet and Braun Strowman are placeholders here. Obviously, they're not Kevin right. Owens and Sami Zayn. They're not the Banger Bros. They're not Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. It's not the New Day. It's not one of these like you know big kind of more I guess well established tag teams. It's it's Ricochet and Braun Strowman. It, it's a it's a fine novelty tag team who can you know play the babyface role as the Usos have their bloodline drama next week, which that's going to be really interesting to see what actually happens. Like I'm curious to watch SmackDown to see, as you say, is Reigns going to drag Jay Uso kicking and screaming into the match? Is Jay going to not show up? And Jimmy loses the titles. Like, how are they going to play this? What are they going to do? So, yeah, it was a fine opening match. It went for like 20 minutes. They went through like two commercials. I did like what they were doing with Gunther, Kevin. Um, I don't know how much of this you caught. But I like how they portray him. Because obviously, he's not wrestling in this match. He's at ringside. But he has such a presence about him. He's got the IC title. He's got the tracksuit on. It, it reminds me a lot of not 100%, but back in the day, 20 years ago, when like Batista, for instance, would be at ringside. He's not in wrestling gear per se, but it has just a presence to him. Like a don't don't F with that guy type presence. Now, I'm not saying Gunther's Batista, but the portrayal I really do like. I think what they're doing with Gunther's really good. Um, So yeah, thought I'd throw that out there. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I thought this match was good. I, I mean, these, yeah, these two teams have good chemistry. Um, I, I like Imperium. Uh, Braun Strowman and Ricochet are pretty good hands. They're being used properly. You know, I, Braun Strowman in the in the undercard or the midcard, I'm not too angry at. I, I just, I, I didn't like the way Vince was booking Braun Strowman. And, and, and the way Vince was booking Ricochet didn't make sense either. He was never used at all. And Ricochet's too, ta- too talented. We saw what he did with Logan Paul. He had a, a, a viral moment, pal. With Logan Paul, like Ricochet has skills that can be useful in in, a, in the right spot, and I thought this was the right spot for these four guys. Hundred percent, and like as a tag team, I, I really like. I mean, the finish where literally Ricochet was like on top of Braun, like literally on his shoulders, and he did like a flippy move onto him. Like that's cool. Like that's a cool tag teamy type like finish and spot. Like stuff like that works. I think, as you say, it's perfect where it is. So yeah, that that was fun. Um, I think. All in all, it makes sense. Once again, it would be cool if the tag title match next week was a more interesting team than Ricochet and Braun Strowman. But once again, it's not about them. It's about the storyline with the Usos. So yeah, that was good. I thought that was an opener. It was entertaining enough. It was the first like 30 minutes of the show, basically. I thought it was pretty good. So. And then we had Charlotte Flair versus Sonya Deville. I don't really have much really to say about this. I thought it was okay. It's fine. Like, it's not a bad in-ring match. Charlotte Flair is good. It's weird seeing her as a babyface. Like, that was my biggest takeaway. It's just just how weird it is. She's not a babyface. She just, she's naturally a heel. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe she'll get more comfortable, but, yeah. But it's cool to see Sonya Deville, like, full-time wrestling again after that scary incident a few years ago. Yeah. Um, where she, like, she took a break after that. But she had her house invaded, and, yeah, it was sad. But now she's back. She's been in the fold for a few months now. But really, the the segment that followed this match with Roman Reigns and demanding answers on where Jey Uso is, just demanding mm. Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa to tell Roman where the the uh, the other member of the Bloodline is. It's great. 
And, and we're seeing more of this like maniacal heel Roman Reigns where he's just, he's doing whatever it takes to protect himself and he's, he's stepping on ev everybody's feelings involved. And it's fantastic. It's just lovely heel work. Yeah. It's better character work than we saw from Cena in the last, you know, 15, 18 years. It's, it's phenomenal. It's brilliant, Kevin. And then like, I look at that and that segment alone, this, this two minute backstage segment, all the focus is on Reigns. You've got him cutting a, like a really good, well, you know, what, you know, thought out promo. He asks Sokoa, like, where is he? Like, when did you last talk to Jey Uso? Sokoa doesn't answer. So, that, you know, that, that's good. I like that. I like Jimmy Uso, like, pleading that. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I haven't, I haven't talked to him. Like, I, I, I don't know Roman. Roman is just, like, he's so maniacal, as you say. He's angry. Like, Reigns addresses Paul Heyman. Heyman, like, almost, like, chokes up. And he's, like, about to cry. <laughs> it's just brilliant stuff. It's just brilliant. <laughs> it's just great. Like, like, you watch this and go, like, this is... Oh, thank God Roman's on this show. Like, like the, the week's Ro Ro uh, Roman isn't on SmackDown. Sm like, SmackDown's a bit eh, <laughs> I think. But, you know, stuff like this is just great. And also, Kevin, one more thing with the Charlotte, the, the women stuff. Is it fair that because of how WWE's booked Charlotte for, like, years, now when she's a babyface, now when she's, like, not even that bad at the moment, I just don't care. Like, I was watching this match. I'm just like, cool, Sonya Deville's there. Good on her. But, like, I just, I can't get into this. I just can't. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, it's, it's the overexposure, the um, the overpraising. You know, I, I, Charlotte, Charlotte Flair is not overrated because she's great in the ring. And she has charisma. She's this and that. But she's overpraised. You know, you've got, like, her father saying that she's more important than Serena Williams <laughs> as, a, as a celebrity. Like, like, come on, bro. Like, come on. And I, I get it back in Ric Flair's day. Ric Flair was probably more famous than every athlete on the planet, you know, aside from, like, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Yeah. So, like, I understand why he would think the way he does. But, yeah, I don't want to get sidetracked, though, on that. Um, so, the Brawling Brutes versus the Viking Raiders. I thought they were the Bang Bros. What happened? Why did Drew McIntyre and Sheamus change their name? I thought they were paying tribute to Xavier Woods, Paige, and Brad Maddox. And Brad Maddox. Yeah, look. I, mean, I thought that that was what happened. Yeah, look, Triple H at four AM was on um on you know some you know Triple X websites and he discovered that um oh the uh the uh Bang uh, Bros uh, that mm, there's a, there's a bit of zesty content involving that online, so maybe we should change their name. Uh, that's basically what happened. So now they're you know um you know they've changed the name. But yeah, like this, this was fine. Um, I think the match just generally, because I mean, you had, you had Pete Dunne and um, Ridge Holland in this match, and then it's the Viking right? It's it's just the filler portion of the show. Realistically, Kevin, we've just seen Reigns. You've just seen this great segment with the Bloodline. They throw it, they throw this out there with the Viking Raiders and you know Butch, Pete Dunne, and Holland, and then you know I liked afterwards where McIntyre and Sheamus like ran out and they like got beat up by that. I thought that was done all right, but yeah, it's filler. It's what it is. It's filler. Like, absolutely. Yeah, it's just filler. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I should correct myself. The uh, the brawling brutes is Rich Holland and Butch, but yeah, Sheamus and McIntyre were involved at the end. Yeah. Um, and Kevin, yeah, yeah the, the only the only really yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned them at the end. Like the best part of this whole like fifteen minute match slash post match was literally when Sheamus and McIntyre like made they walked out onto the stage and like, mcintyre's got like the like the black like singlet top and like the black yeah. pants he looks like like a beast 
And then they like they they're punching the bother. That stuff is fine, but the rest of this, yeah, who cares? Move on. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then yeah, we had that four women, uh, the four the fatal four way the women's match, elimination chamber qualifier, pretty standard stuff. And then yeah, yeah, then we get to the main event of the evening, pal. Roman Reigns out there, give it to us, pal. What happened in this one? Yeah, this this was excellent. This is excellent. So like Reigns comes out, big pop and circumstance. He does his entrance once again. Michael Cole's commentary for Reigns' entrances is probably the best work Cole's done in over a decade in my opinion. Um, so Reigns comes out, usual Reigns entrance. He's cutting a promo saying that he wants to talk about deserving and like, you know, someone who's earned a shot at him, like Cody Rhodes. He wants to move on to Cody Rhodes. But instead now he has to worry about this this rubbish with Sami Zayn and like his family and all this stuff. And he's, he's like, he's sounding genuinely annoyed. His like tone is one of, you know, aggression and like an anger basically. So Reigns has cut this promo and then all of a sudden a dude in a hood, Kevin, attacks Reigns from behind, the, the, you know, pulls the hood off. It's Sami Zayn. The crowd's going nuts. The crowd's erupting for it. So yeah, Sami's beating up Reigns. He like, he gets a few shots in on him with the, like the chair and whatnot. The crowd's going crazy. Obviously Jimmy Uso and Sokoa eventually get involved. Reigns escapes and then yeah, they beat up Sami Zayn, beat up Sami Zayn. Reigns comes back in. He lays some shots into Sami Zayn, stops Sokoa from like ending Zayn's career with like the chair spot in the corner. And then Kevin Reigns gives us some of the best content of this year so far when he's in the corner with Sami Zayn. Kevin, apparently this promo was ad-libbed or improv to some extent where he's cutting the promo like on Sami Zayn, the, like, the, the camera's like right in his face, like they're in the corner. And then Reigns is just like grabbing Sami Zayn being like, you want to ruin my family? I'm gonna like I'm gonna end you in front of your family and loved ones in Montreal, Sammy. Like he was just like screaming at him for like a minute. Like Kevin, this was excellent. This was absolutely phenomenal television. This is some of the best stuff WWE's done in God knows how many years. It, it was just brilliant. Sammy Zayn, how he's portrayed as the babyface is great. Ro- like Reigns is the heel, the big star, superstar of the company. Kevin, this was fantastic. So thoughts? Who would have thought? Sami Zayn would be as over as 1998 Steve Austin. Like, like who would have thought that? Sami Zayn gets a, a hero's welcome when he beats up the tribal chief. Yeah, and that line where Reigns is like, you broke up my family. Now I want to break you in front of yours. Doesn't get any better than that, you know? Um, and then the line, too, where he's like, oh, they want Jay, but I don't have Jay because you broke up the bloodline. That, that's, I mean, Reigns is, yeah, he's a master at manipulating the crowd. And, and this is top-notch stuff. It, it's like for main event content in WWE, it doesn't get much better than this, honestly. And it hasn't been this good. Main event content in WWE has not been this good consistently. During Cena's run, it wasn't this good. Uh. During Brock's run, Brock was never around. <laughs> like during 16, 17, 18, he was just never there. Yeah, when he was the main guy. Reigns is giving us good stuff every time he's out there on TV. Okay. You, you know, you could say like sometimes it's stale, oh, it's the same old bloodline stuff. But this was different. It was good. It's like a whole new layer into the Roman Reigns and Jey Uso storyline that we saw a few years ago. It's just, yeah. what's old is new again, pal? Well, cause like, I remember the time with that Reigns and Jey stuff. It, it felt like unprecedented because it was actually like a, 
a, like a storyline there was like logic to it it was interesting every week you're like oh, what's Reigns gonna say what's jay gonna do that was like the first time in a long time i watched the wwe main roster and thought like this is like a genuinely really good story and like now for the the bloodline ever since really you know SummerSlam ish time last year when they started to get sammy involved and the storyline's really been fleshed out so well and you like you know everyone's role in this stable you know everyone's interesting you got the main event guy in it so you care a lot more like i think it's it's just excellent and Kevin, I want to read you just this one little part of the Bleacher Report right up. I just want your thoughts on this. They go, this is wrestling perfection. And one day we'll look back on it as one of the truly great WWE programs of all time. Right up there with the Mega Powers, the Hard Brothers rivalry, and Steve Austin reveling against Vince McMahon. Which, obviously right now we're in the moment. Um, all we can say at the moment is that it's just it's you know great, really compelling week-to-week TV. Um, it's hard to rank this you know, all time right now. But I mean, what we're getting week to week is just damn good. Um, I'm really appreciative that we're actually getting something like this, Kevin, because for years, WWE did not have anything nearly this compelling. For years, the main event scene was, as you mentioned, dry. Like either the top guy would just beat everyone in predictable storylines or Reigns would just be the baby face getting booed and then beating up some heel. Like it was just, it was bad for a long time. And now... This is genuinely good stuff. So, yeah, hats off Double Bureau, hats off Roman, hats off everyone involved. This this stuff is great. It's compelling. I can't wait for oh, yeah. the, I can't wait for the Chamber, Kevin. I'm genuinely looking forward to that match. I know I don't expect Sammy to win, but the show we're going to get in Montreal is going to be phenomenal. Oh yeah, I don't know if we, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a bit of a it's a bit of a bold statement to say we'll look back at this storyline the same way we look back at, at the Mega Powers and the Austin Vince rivalry. Because we don't know how it's going to end. I mean, it, you know, if, if this storyline ends with Cody Runnels standing on Roman Reigns' chest holding both belts uh, with, after he just buried the entire bloodline across a 25-minute story-riddled, um, you know, interference-littered match, I don't think it's going to go down as one of those all-time great stories. Well, I mean, it's just, it just depends. We don't know where it's going to go. So, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And just one, one quick thing. I want your thoughts on this. Um, a lot of people, and I saw this on social media a lot, like the, they're almost trying to like drum up this narrative that like Cody winning the Rumble is going to get him like hate because he's not Sami Zayn, who's like the baby face who's like beloved right now. And almost people are trying to like, like make this out to be like the 2014 thing in a way, like, oh my God, but you know, the, the, the baby face didn't win the Rumble and the, the guy who won isn't the guy... A lot of stuff like that is just not necessary. Sami Zayn's great. What Cody's doing is really good. Like, the, you don't need to just hate one. Like, Kevin, in 2014, the creative direction was a mess. Like, the, it was just, it was, there was poor, poor booking back then. There was just WWE, couldn't care less. It was just a mess. This stuff now, you can tell they're very in tune. Like, WWE are on the front foot right now with this storyline. They're giving us consistently great stuff week to week. And as fans, that's all we can really hope for. So yeah, I think that narrative that Cody's gonna get booed and like that was a thing for like all of January. I was like, like why, why, like what's he done to get? He's been the most compelling act besides Sami Zayn in years. So I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely, pal. But yeah, so I, I think now we can uh, kick it over to the featured program of the evening, pal. Hell we yeah, pal. Paul Triple H Levesque's first six months as the head booker of WWE, pal. Hell yeah, pal. Let's do it.
Kevin, Triple H, Paul Levesque, has been officially in charge of WWE as the head creative lead and booker for the last six months now. We're about half a year as of the making of this. And Kevin, I figure what better way to commemorate that than do a report card for old Paul Levesque in charge. So, Kevin, I've been looking forward to this for a little while now so we can give our like honest kind of thoughts on the state of the product, the booking, Triple H in general. So plenty to discuss today, Kevin. Look forward to it. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. And this is what people have been waiting for for like give or take the last like five, six years, really ever since NXT kind of blew up in like 2014, 15. People have wanted to see Paul Triple H Levesque be in charge of WWE's creative, just be in charge of every aspect of WWE. And here we are. We're kind of living that so-called, like, that want, that dream. We're living it now. Triple H has been in charge ever since Vincent Kennedy McMahon announced his, his, uh, his, un, like, I don't even know what you would call it, unprecedented retirement in 2022 yep. in a tweet. And yeah, here we are. I can't wait to talk about it, pal. Let's, let's, let's get right to it, pal. I'll just ask you the, the basic mm-hmm. generic question. Now, how do you think Triple H has done so far? I think he's done good, I'd say, on the whole. Um, obviously, there's some stuff. I have some cons with what, you know, what we've seen so far in the six or so months. But on the whole, I'd say it's been an improvement on what we had. Um, and, Kevin, I'll give the, the main reason to me why is uh, consistency or continuity with the show. Um, because one of the biggest issues I had with I mean, wrestling in the past really decade, to be honest, was inconsistency. Stuff just wouldn't make sense show to show. They almost you be you felt like you're watching it thinking, this is borderline insulting my intelligence with some of this stuff, where wrestlers just forget that they were hating each other and then now they're friends or randomly or a guy is a bad guy and all of a sudden he's a face just for no reason. Like stuff like that doesn't happen with Triple H's show which I can appreciate. Um, I think that makes for a better general just viewing experience. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I'm sure, don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure you'd agree and most of the listeners would agree. That just watching show to show, if a wrestler changes face to heel, you'll know why. If a wrestler leaves a, a group or leaves a team, you'll know why. If someone debuts or has a return, you'll see some hype or something for it. Stuff like that. It, it, it's just the, the kind of consistency of the show. So in that regard, Kevin, that's kind of like my first reason. Feel free to expand. But yeah, on the whole, Kevin, it's been, been good so far. Absolutely. I mean, well, Triple H, what he, one thing he does is he kind of books all the wrestlers like stars. You know, he doesn't do like the classic oh, good guy versus bad guy. It, it's just like, okay, here's Gunther. This is what Gunther is. He's a European man that likes to chop people very hard. Uh, you know, here's Drew McIntyre. This is Drew McIntyre. This is Sheamus. They do this. It's not like, oh, here's Sheamus. Sheamus is in a storyline with Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns is the babyface, and Sheamus is the heel. That means Sheamus insults the city, the city sports team where they're at, and Roman Reigns comes out and says, I love this city, pal. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, we yeah. don't see a ton of that under the Triple H regime. But what I really like is, I, I just like how, now, I don't want to say every show under Triple H, every premium show, premium live event has been good under Triple H, but they've been different. They felt different. Yes. They flowed better. You know, and, and it's not even like, 
like peak NXT. You know, like like peak NXT has some differentiates some differentiate some differentials. There we go. In between what we're seeing now at the premium live events. And I, I think a lot of people are kind of overblowing the fact of like Triple H just book, um, booking like random NXT guys and booking guys like Johnny Gargano too strong. Like he's not. Like let's let's be honest, he's not doing that. Not yet, at least. You know, yeah. Johnny Gargano. I don't think anytime soon we're gonna see Johnny Gargano winning the double championship and closing Raws. I, I don't think that's gonna happen. Who knows? Um, but I think people are a little overblowing that aspect. But I I just like how the shows flow right now. Like the Royal Rumble, it was what like a three hour and some change show, maybe four hour show, yeah. And, and that's natural. It's a Royal Rumble, you know. But it was easy to watch. There was there wasn't a lot of matches that were insulting your intelligence. Like yeah, there was the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match, but I mean that's like sponsorships and you know you got to do what you got to do. That's but just that- the Bray Wyatt match. That that's there with Vince. That's there with Triple H. That's the Bray Wyatt match. It's it, it's it's different, but yeah. Yeah, it was five minutes long. It's okay. It's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah. But we just don't see anything that's like super... We haven't seen yet that anything that's like in, super like insulting to our intelligence. Mm-hmm. And, and I've like... I mean, I, I think Triple H has done a pretty good job too. You know, I don't want to say he's been like an A+. plus. No. You know? Nah. And it's kind of hard to be an A+, plus in the job that he's in. And Vince McMahon was like an A+, plus for maybe like four years, five years, collectively, six years maybe in all of his years as the head booker it's very difficult to do put it that way well can we address something now it's like how much stock well because we, we don't know really like we're not backstage we're not in gorilla we're not sitting next to triple h in these shows but yeah. like it depends as well you're writing for triple h as in the six months as like how much credit you give him for this bloodline roman reigns Sami Zayn, like that storyline um, because I mean, we saw like Reigns had some really good stuff a couple of years ago with Jay Uso, for instance. And I, I wouldn't say Triple H was the sole, you know, person behind that. But like now, Kevin, what we're seeing with Reigns, Sami Zayn, like I don't imagine with Vince McMahon in charge, we would have ever had Sami Zayn as literally Roman Reigns as like co-star act and such a compelling storyline for six plus months. I don't think that ever happens. I think Sami Zayn's maybe they might do like an angle on SmackDown and that might be it once. But under Triple H has been a, a well-told, well-put-together storyline. Sami Zayn's now, like the crowd's going nuts for him. The crowd loves him so much that they're cheering him. They're booing Reigns out of the building and chanting F.U. Roman with 60,000 people in the Alamo Dome. Like, I think that I give a fair bit of credit to Triple H for. That's been his greatest success so far as the like the the creative head that whole storyline it's made Sami Zayn someone who was I mean entertaining on the undercard but really was just kind of there on the main roster for many years it's made him this like must see week to week act now Kevin I I'm want to tune in for the Sami Zayn segment I want to see what Sami Zayn's doing now I never thought I'd be saying that but under Triple H now Kevin I'm wondering what Sami Zayn's doing next I'm wondering when he interacts with Jay Uso next when he interacts with Roman Paul Heyman Kevin Owens when he cuts a promo, what's he going to say? How's the story going to flesh out? Like that, I, I think is mostly due to Triple H, and that's to me the biggest feather in his cap so far. And whether Triple H is actually like physically booking and writing these storylines and, and the segments, or if he's just like 
being hands off and telling, hey, Roman, Sammy, Usos, like this, give me what you guys got for tonight. And he's like making little changes or giving a thumbs up. Either way, it would be a credit to him. Whether, you know, he's being hands off and giving the, the talent freedom to do what they need to do, or if he's actually coming up with these segments, they're both an A+. 100%. 100%. It's just it, it's just great stuff. And this is this is like the main thing in the company for the last six months that Triple H has been running. So I give a fair bit of stock of that to Triple H. Now, obviously, Roman Reigns being a top star has a fair bit of pull as far as who he works with or the direction of his character. Obviously, Paul Heyman's you know, in his ear and Paul Heyman's been a, a massive figure behind the scenes in wrestling for decades and decades. And you know, so obviously they're going to have a, a fair bit of stock with, I guess, you know, how the segments go. But as you say, Triple H, this is his show. He, he is the ultimate sign-off and everything. So a bunch of credit does have to go to him. And it's been just excellent. So we'll see where it goes. But for, as of making this, we've just come off the Royal Rumble where we had that epic heel you know, moment with the bloodline just turning on Sammy and beating him up and Sammy going face and... The crowd chanting F you Roman and just excellent stuff. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, like you said, it's been the best feather in his cap. And I think I mean it it goes without saying. The bloodline storyline has been excellent. Uh, let's give him credit too. I mean he's booking a, a Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar match, presumably at WrestleMania thirty nine. Mm. Would we have ever gotten that under Vince? I don't know, maybe. Maybe we would have. But I'm gonna give maybe. him credit for actually doing it. Uh, hopefully at WrestleMania 39. It's not confirmed yeah. yet, but you know I'm gonna give him credit for that. Assuming that that's what we do get, I'll give him credit for that. And he's you know, and then you could always talk about like the aspect of like, okay, is Triple H or is Monday Night Raw more or less watchable than Triple H? I I, I don't think anybody could make a three hour Raw at this point. Mm-hmm. A, P, a PG sponsorship heavy. You know, NBC breathing down their neck to make like kid friendly content. I don't think anybody could really make a three hour raw intriguing. But there are some raws that are like, okay, wow, this is good. You know, this was not a bad yeah. three hour show. And how many times did we say that when Vince was the head? Not very often. Oh, probably, probably ever. And like, I mean, in the, I, I in the three hour raw era, it was very rare. Few and absolutely few and far between, yeah. No, nah, and like Raw is triple X was excellent, like that was like one of the best Raw shows I've seen. I uh, that, that got me watching and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love how they incorporated the, the kind of newer regime of guys who are just triple H is trying to push with like the older legends because one of the big tropes with when Vince McMahon was like kind of the, the sign off with everything is these legend shows would often just have. A big legend segment, they just beat up one of the, like the young guys, and it's like, oh, that was it. Or like, there's just a whole 25 minute segment with like an old faction just there, and you get really nothing out of it. But the thing with Raw is Triple X, the young stars benefited from that show. I like The Undertaker's involvement with the LA Knight Bray Wyatt thing. I like the fact of how they use Gunther. I like, I like all of it. Like, I thought it was all well done. So, yeah, that's another one. Like, that, that, the anniversary shows, the incorporation of legends with the current guys and the current regime i think that under triple h is a tick from what we've seen so far yeah yeah you really brought up a good point but we saw it at the royal rumble there was not an over-reliance on established stars and, and triple h like he made us like forget about the rock and forget about the possibility of stone cold showing up and nobody cared that the rock and stone cold weren't there anymore i mean some people were like doing it to be funny 
But I mean, for the most part, people didn't care. You know, the, the Bloodline storyline was that good. The the Royal Rumble match was that good that we didn't, you know, we didn't care that The Rock wasn't there. Yeah, there was Booker T. You know, Booker T came out, did his thing. Edge was there. But Logan Paul was there. But Logan Paul is going to be a, a fixture going forward. But I mean, Edge and Booker T were like two good legends. That's okay to have a good legends touch. Nothing wrong with that. But we saw for years and years recently with Vince that there was an over-reliance on Legends. And I don't think we're going to see that now with Triple H. I don't think we will. And, and it's also like like you pointed out, where you'd have like Legends beating up a young guy. Under Vince it was like, okay, here's a reminder we're going to shove in your face that Stone Cold and Rock and all these guys, they're, they're on a different level. Even guys like Jake Roberts or, you know, Fred Angle, like these guys are on a different level compared to like the young talent, the New Day, or Austin Theory, or guys like that. It's like, yeah, these guys, they're not in the same league as the past stars. Whereas Triple H has kind of been like, okay, you know, like we could use these young stars to kind of give the rub. Or I'm sorry, we could use the legends to give the rub to the young stars. And then that's yeah. what we've seen too. And it's really like, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a good point. <clears throat> well, like I remember... Like a perfect comparison. I, I don't know, remember which exact year this was in, but there was a SmackDown show. I think that there was SmackDown and MSG. Um, they had the Undertaker <laughs> appearance. This was maybe two years ago, sometime two three years ago. It's SmackDown and MSG. The Undertaker comes out. He does his usual like antic, and then Sami Zayn comes out. And the Undertaker just choke slams him and just like beats him up basically. And that was like the opening of the show. And like you compare that to nowadays, where instead Sami Zayn's an integral part of a genuinely phenomenal storyline in the main event scene. He's used really well. Whenever they get the Undertaker on the show, he's working in this case with the Bray Wyatt LA Knight thing. They use him. So you get a bit of that nostalgia, you know, rubbing off on the new stuff. We're not having like The Rock just come out to beat up Sami Zayn. That's just the end of the show. Like that stuff doesn't happen now. Like it, it the show works better and the, the booking is more logical, which I, I appreciate. Like, I'm not watching like, every single show, but the time I've seen with Triple H's stuff, I don't f- see massive plot holes, which is good because that got really annoying. Watching shows, thinking this doesn't make sense, this guy's being used poorly, and the company just loves doing it. I don't know. There were a lot of holes previously, but yeah, there's, there's less now. There's less now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, SmackDown, I mean, let's talk about SmackDown for a minute. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to have a good SmackDown when Roman Reigns is just not there consistently. Yeah. That, that's tough to do, regardless of who's the booker. I don't know. I mean, how do you think Triple H has done with SmackDown? I, I wouldn't say it's been anything otherworldly. Well, like, yeah. I mean, you, you nailed it. When, when Reigns isn't on the show, I mean, you're left with, you know, like, your main events are generally like the Usos against, like, Sheamus and McIntyre or Kevin Owens versus bloodline member a or you know like there'll be a good segment with you know some bloodline members and Sami Zayn so far like they do the best they can the, the, the shows aren't you know for smackdown like must see if reigns isn't there um so that's why in my opinion triple h has, it's not an a grade so far um because i mean then again to get those smackdown shows to be must see is damn hard if reigns isn't there but if if they could get to that point. That's when I'd say it's like an A. It's like he's really absolutely nailing it so far. Um, I still don't feel that. So to me, my grade's a little bit lower than an A. But yeah, no, SmackDown's fine. Generally, it's okay. 
you know? Yeah, I agree. And before, like, I guess we, we can talk about the negatives now of the trip yeah. of Triple H regime. But before we do that, I want to talk about uh, this past Royal Rumble because I know you and I we did this uh, we did this big review live stream over there talking about Royal Rumble 2023, pal. And, and I I want to say some things. I want to add a few things essentially what I thought about the show just while we're talking about the good things Triple H did. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly thought that overall top to bottom the, sh- the show was pretty enjoyable you know i've heard some people on different podcasts i listen to say like oh it might be a top 10 royal rumble i'm not ready to say that I, just yet I, I don't think that's even really i don't even know if you can even go there but it was just like it, there was not yes there was not a lot of star power in the match i understand that but triple h has done a good job in building up the talent that wwe does have I feel like under Vince McMahon, Royal Rumble 2023 could have felt like Royal Rumble 2019. I think. Yeah. Right. Like, it could have just been, okay, it's Austin Theory, who hasn't been built up. It's gone through, hasn't been built up. It's Sheamus. You know, you got McIntyre in there. Whoever else you want to name. Lashley, you know. Like, like think about it. Under Vince, Lashley might be feuding with, like, Ricochet right now. Who knows? You know, instead yeah. he's in there being built up for Brock Lesnar. I, I just, do you agree? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, hundred percent. I think the way the match was booked. I mean, look at 2022. I know people slight Shane McMahon for that one a bunch of the time, but like Vince McMahon was still the final sign-off for that. And the reality is that match was literally just okay. Well, the winner's the only person that matters. Everyone else just kind of sucks. Have fun. So, uh, in my opinion, Kevin, if Vince was booking this rumble, it would have been a bunch of just kind of just nothingness. Cody would have come in late, won, and that's about it. And it would have just been bad. Like, that's, that's how I view it. I think Cody would have come in like 27, eliminated five people, and then that would have been it. And it would have just been a complete anti-climax. But the way Triple H booked it, it was, it was, it was an enjoyable match to watch. Like live, it was a fun match to watch. Granted, people were bitching about star power and whatnot. That's always going to happen. People love to complain about everything. But I mean, we, had, we had Booker T make a comeback. Hmm. Like, like, come on. Booker T was there. Edge was there. Logan Paul. Oh, but, but Cena and Steve Austin were the, the match. Uh... Yeah, that's, that's what Vince McMahon has this condition to think, pal. And Triple H is telling us, no, this is how it's going to be. Mm. which is awesome and and, and also yeah. let me just say this too for the people that are complaining about cody coming out 30 and cody having a predictable royal rumble win don't you think the guy earned it i mean he wrestled he gave you a hell in a cell match with a torn pectoral like come on give him a break you know i think he earned it. i think he earned coming in at 30 and and, and getting his big moment don't you think he was literally the founding father of what is the favorite promotion of many of these people without him you wouldn't have your precious aw mostly like give a break you just for god's sake like i I was i would have wanted him to be there an hour and because he wasn't there an hour and he's only there 10 minutes the match sucked it's like you just can you just not complain about everything like like it's just you, you wouldn't be a fun person to be around if that's your kind of mentality with this sort of stuff like i don't know so yeah on the whole as you say i thought 
Triple H with what he had booked a, a pretty damn good rumble. It was yeah. it was an entertaining one to watch live. Watching back, yeah. I don't know you've you've watched it after the fact. I haven't, but yeah, it was enjoyable to watch. And, and live. I, I want to say this too. Let me let me catch up. I'm sorry. I'm just about about the Royal Rumble show as a as a whole. That that ending of that Royal Rumble. I mean, we just don't see storylines like that out of Royal Rumble Royal Rumble pay per views. We just don't. It's very rare. And kudos to Triple H. You know. Kudos to that. I mean, that's just, it was phenomenal. And I thought the Women's Royal Rumble, I thought it, I thought it wasn't as bad as, as we kind of said it was, you know? Like, like, yeah, it wasn't great. I don't know if it was that bad. I don't know. I mean, Ray Ripley, she was damn good. Star-making performance. Just wanted to throw that out there, see what you think. Oh, no, I remember I found it dull at the time. I mean, I'm sure if you want, I'll watch it back with a less cynical lens. Because Kevin, I was watching it at the time with a lens of get this over with. I want to see Reigns in the bloodline. Like that was my lens at the time. So granted, if I watch it with a more objective scope, I'm sure it wasn't even, it was okay. Like while I was still alive, it was okay. Like in the review I made to him, I was the worst match in years. But, you know, <laughs> it, is what it is. It is what it is. But no, just generally speaking, I think Triple H, the Rumble was one of his first like big tests, I feel like. Um, yeah. SummerSlam last year was mostly still like a Vince book, Vince storyline show. Um, there was Survivor Series, which I thought Triple H with the the War Games matches did a really good job. Absolutely, um, so that, that was enjoyable, and really, you know, the rest of the shows since they've all been memorable for some way, shape, or form, which is really all you can ask for. Yeah, and I mean, we're only six months in. You know, we can kind of talk about the future too after we talk about the negatives. So, let, yeah. let's get to the negatives. What are some things that you thought <coughs> or you think that Triple H has not done right or could do better? Um, yeah, so this one, I mean, I'll start. This this is a bit of a small one. I um, just want to get it out there. I haven't been a fan of just all the, I call them like unimportant returns. I mean, Bronson Reed, Mia Yim, Eric Young. That's just to name a few. There's been about a, a half dozen to a dozen where Triple H has brought back literally like mid-carders from NXT from like five years ago and just brought them in. I mean, you could say Johnny Gargano, like those types. Like he's another example. Um, but they just kind of brought them back. And I mean, Triple H's show, if he wants to bring these guys back, as long as they're not like the main act, cool. Um, but like, you know, Triple H doing that, there was a point where it was like every two weeks, it was just like a new person Triple H would just bring back. And it's like, what is this, AEW? Like, are you so dependent on returns to try and create some buzz? Like, what is this? But no, I don't know. Like, that, that was just a little thing. I, I was a bit like, eh, do we, need, do we need Bronson Reed back? Do we need Mia Yim? Do we need Eric Young? Like, you don't. That's favoritism. But anyway, what do you think? Yeah, I agreed with that. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, there was a point I remember when I saw like Mia Yim's return and like nobody cared. I was like, okay, I mean, what did you expect? It's Mia Yim. I mean, she's not yeah. Trish Stratus, you know. Trish Stratus is gonna get a big hero's welcome. The people that are in attendance on Monday Night Raw, sorry, they're just not gonna care about Mia Yim's like whatever she had three, four year run in NXT. They're just not. And I, I think maybe he's learned from that. We haven't seen it as much recently. And that could just be because we're in WrestleMania season. And after WrestleMania, you know, we'll, we'll get more returns. Like when Adam Cole's contract is up, I'm sure he'll he'll be back in WWE. Just to name one name. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not I'm not too bothered by it. Um I mean yeah. so I'm trying to think of like some of the real like overwhelming negatives. Like I, I'm struggling to find well, something that really aren't any like overwhelming negatives like like i'll say like raw, raw or smackdown outside of like like literally the main event storyline with roman 
still to me doesn't feel like I need to watch at all. Like I feel like I'm missing nothing if I miss a show. Which right. I mean, to be fair, with the roster he has at his disposal and where the show was when he picked it up, like it's damn near impossible to make Raw or SmackDown for like must see weekly television. It, it it would take like you know a miracle writing performance to make that happen. But Kevin, even still, I feel like I miss Raw. I miss nothing, which isn't great. Like it's just this time with Triple H, there are more like. I guess you call them good matches, but more like matchups. Like, oh, Seth Rollins is wrestling Finn Balor this week, or oh, you know, The Miz is wrestling Finn Balor, or like it's just the same kind of guys who just wrestle matches now to fill in the three hours. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, it's less like cheesy television, which is always good. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really think of any like super overwhelming negatives. Then again, I mean, I haven't seen too too much wrestling like that i'm not watching raw like i'm not sitting there watching three hour raws i'm not watching two hour smackdowns every friday night yeah definitely not watching two hour nxts um yeah i was just yeah um too yeah, many let, unimportant let, 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 let me just say this, let me say this real quick I, I got one um so i was thinking like maybe you could kind of like look at the women's division like the fact that he made charlotte champion again really do we need that do we need another Charlotte title reign? Is anybody craving that? Well, in fairness, I'll play devil's advocate here. They put the title on, I mean, one, just because Ronda's reign was just going absolutely nowhere, and that right. was just boring. So they, they ended that, and Charlotte's literally the champion, so when Rhea Ripley wins at WrestleMania, it's going to be like, thank God, Charlotte lost, Rhea's having a moment. It's going to be like that. That's pretty much why. So in that sense, I, I can't fault that. Obviously, in the short term, like, yeah, Charlotte winning the title again, really? Come on. But, yeah, in, in, when, when you look at the big picture with that, yeah, like ending Ronda's damn near miserable title run, that was a joke. And then, you know, setting up Rhea Ripley for success going forward. So I think it's, you know, I don't think that's that bad. Yeah, right. So. And the women's division has not been terrible, to imply that. It's not been terrible. Um, I just want to say that, too. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But it's not. It's also not grabbing me either. I, I thought mm. that would have been a focus under the Triple H regime. I, I thought we would have seen maybe like more developed storylines, more developed characters. And so far, it's been a lot of the same. And I get it. You know, he inherited Ronda Rousey as champion. A Ronda Rousey that probably didn't want to be there. Don't even know why she came back. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Like I'm, I'm just curious to see. If Rhea Ripley, after she wins the title, she becomes the face of uh, the women's face of SmackDown. I assume Bianca Belair is going to keep the championship on Raw. And I'm kind of curious, really curious to see what they do with Rhea Ripley, though. I mean, this is like a second opportunity for her to kind of become the, the top girl in the company. And I want to see how that plays out. Yeah, because, I mean, in many ways, I think what they're, what they're kind of setting up here... I mean, I'll use this comparison, which is a bit more extreme, but it kind of... I think they're setting up like Bianca Belair to be like this generation in the women's division, like the Cena almost as like the, the big like superhero baby face. And then they're going to set like Rhea Ripley up as like the Batista kind of just like the, the dominant, like kind of can be a heel, but like star on a separate show. So what they're going to do is have like a year or two of them being separate. Then whenever they do the Ripley and Belair, like, 1v1 match it's going to be like oh my god like this is actually like a genuinely interesting big time women's match with current day wrestlers but that's what i think they're going for um which will be cool like 100 like it comes SummerSlam or wrestlemania next year in 2024 when those two finally made or survivor series and a champion versus champion 
you'll be like, like, damn, like this is a match we've been actually wanting to see for months and months. They're finally doing this is gonna be cool. So like I, I, I applaud that. I think that's a good way of going about it. Establishing two distinctive big, you know, young female stars on the show that can, you know, be on separate brands and whenever they face off, you think, Oh, I've got to see that. Like that that's a women's match I'm genuinely interested in. So I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Yeah, and it's funny too because a lot of the things that we thought were gonna be negatives when Triple H took over, like, okay, now we're gonna have like, you know, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano are gonna be main eventing pay per views. It hasn't happened, and I don't, I don't know if it will, you know. And, well, and we, Kevin, oh, sorry, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Go on. I was just gonna say, I was gonna say with that, like the Johnny Gargano, for instance, the thought of him like on the main roster. I think Triple H, with the roster he had in NXT six years ago, a lot of the guys were mostly the same size. They all had the same skill set, but they're all just great like uh, wrestlers, absolutely. You know? But like a guy like Johnny Gargano. You watch him on like Raw week to week, but mainly at the Royal Rumble. I, I really like noticed this. And um, when Johnny Gargano was in the ring, he was he was in the Rumble in the first like third of it. Yeah, you had like Gunther, you had Sheamus, you had Drew McIntyre was in there. Lashley was in the ring with Gargano, and like Gargano at that one spot, you had the beats of the Balrun spot where I think it was Sheamus was like whacking Ziggler or whoever it was, and McIntyre's there. Like he's like six foot four legitimate like big heavyweights and Gargano was saying next to him I'm like he literally looks like a dwarf like you just you physically cannot main event with this guy on the main roster it was like I was I was looking at like this was worse than the Daniel Bryan stuff like when Daniel Bryan's in the ring with like the bigger guys it was like oh he's you know smaller but it's not great with this with Gargano I'm looking and thinking you just physically cannot have him in the main event and so far Kevin Triple H hasn't done that he hasn't forced Gargano into the main event he hasn't made it unnatural he hasn't just pushed him to the, the moon for no reason. Like it's been booked, you know, well, he's had some mid-card stuff on Raw. He's having some good matches in the second hour of Raw. He's like, it, it's where he should be on the main roster, which I like. Right. And I think when he had the book at NXT and Vince was doing his thing in WWE, I think Triple H was like, he, yeah, he made NXT like a little ring of honor, like a mini ring of honor yeah. or like a ring of honor 2.0, whatever you want to call it, a big budget ring of honor. I guess it'd probably be the best way to describe it. He made it that, and that was, I think, because he wanted to differentiate himself from what was going on with the main roster WWE. So he wanted to grab that that hardcore audience. I think he has enough self-awareness, he being Triple H, has enough self-awareness to be like, okay, this is WWE, I got sponsors to please, I got a board to please, I got shareholders to please. I'm not just going to have Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole have like three out of uh, two out of three false count anywhere matches at WrestleMania every year yeah. going forward. Yeah. So, so I think it's more of a credit to him. It's funny how we were like going to talk about negatives, but we're still praising him. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. yeah, I think that, that that's pretty much all I had. And the other thing for, I mean, WrestleMania is shaping up to be a, a really compelling, interesting event. Um, comparing Kevin this year to last year, I remember distinctively I was making it was JTE on cut videos this time a year ago. I was talking about how WrestleMania felt so just. There was no buzz at all with last year's WrestleMania, in my view at least, and many people. It was like, okay, Reigns and Brock wrestling, Charlotte and Ronda are wrestling. Okay, there's some rumors of Vince maybe wrestling. Oh, what's this Steve Austin? Like, Kevin, that was last year. It was, it was a very dead kind of February and March. This year, I mean, this bloodline stuff, there's a bunch of buzz with Cody having won the Rumble. This, you know, Logan Paul and Seth Rollins thing is going to be really good. I have a really good feeling about that. Brock and Lashley, 
That's going to be really good. Potentially Theory and Cena is looking like it's going to happen. And there's, there's a bunch of stuff. Like there's, this Mania shape going to be really exciting, interesting, heaps going on, a bunch of layers to it. So that's a success as well. The, the hype, the buzz of WrestleMania, way better than the past few years, like no doubt. I agree. I absolutely agree. It's been a WrestleMania for a long time. It's just been like, okay, we're going to put whatever trash on TV. Only the main event matters. You know, we'll do what, like, for the eight and a half, ten weeks from the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania. It's just going to be like, you know, Miz TV segments and just a bunch of nonsense on TV. But now we actually have, like, this bloodline story to sink our teeth into. Quite refreshing, honestly. Yeah. Because it was like, there was one point, it's like, oh, okay, Shane McMahon's report card. Oh, Elias is wrestling Braun Strowman in a 10-minute match a week before WrestleMania. Oh, there's a great storyline. Like, even in the main event, it was like, okay, Seth Rollins is cutting a okay promo, and then Paul Heyman's out there, and they're building up for that match. It's like, uh, and this is WrestleMania. It feels like it doesn't matter. Yeah, now, I feel like Kevin, we're going to get some big cliffhanger at WrestleMania this year. I feel like we're going to have something that everybody's talking about, some big storyline. You know, whether it's like Dwayne The Rock Johnson showing up at the very end of the show and like punching Roman Reigns in the face and then, you know, we don't see The Rock again for nine months or whatever. We're going to get something that people are going to be talking about. I, I think it's safe to say. Well, Kevin, one thing I think they could do, them, and not to go off the rails with like WrestleMania fantasy bookings, but one thing they could do potentially at least you have Cody have his like moment you have Cody win the titles and then you do something before then like you do like obviously all these Triple H shows like the big ones Survivor Series now Royal Rumble the endings have been really good and that's one thing which in NXT Triple H prided himself on I'd say with those like endings like once the little graphic came up in the bottom right corner like something would always happen on NXT at the end of these like events and that's what's happened on the main roster Kevin I think at WrestleMania Potentially, they do something where The Rock and like The Rock comes out potentially, potentially, and then they could set up, you know, Rock and Reigns a year out and do something like that, where it's like a big, pretty much a celebrity versus like massive big time star Reigns versus Rock match. And they do a year of build, maybe. Like, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Anything's possible. Because yeah. I think that at this point, now they're not going to have him in this bloodline thing, and Reigns is clearly not going to be like full, full time for the next year. You might as well just do that. Have the night after WrestleMania, Rock Reigns shake hands, and then you give it a year and have the Rock have a year to actually focus on getting in ring shape or something. I don't know. That could be your last hope, I guess, and maybe that'd be great. But some sort sort of ending, Kevin. Some big time WrestleMania epic ending is feels on the cards of Triple H. So, So, uh, what has been your favorite show thus far under the regime? I'd say Survivor Series. I really enjoyed that. but was, remember, was Clash yeah. at the Castle under under Triple H's reign? Uh, yeah, it was like a month in. Yeah, I, I like it. I really like that one. Honestly, that's probably my favorite so far. That's fair. I, I love Survivor Series. I was like the two War Games matches are really fun. Love yep. the ending. It was oh really yeah, good. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, no, just yeah. On the whole, Kevin, are you ready to do a final grade? Absolutely, pal. Okay. Pal, I'll give mine first. I think as of right now, Triple H on the main roster as the booker and just the general, you know, pretty much doing Vince's job, I'd give him a B. Uh, I'd say I'm not going to jump into, oh, it's an A yet. It's just not. I don't feel like Raw's super must-see or SmackDown if Reigns is in there. 
Um, some of the returns have been unnecessary, but it's a B and there's definitely room for growth to make it an A in six months' time. We're going to do this um, as the Triple H one-year anniversary of the takeover and we're going to probably do this you know, every year. Um, but so far, six months in, Kevin, I'm giving him a solid B. And for me, I'm going to quote the great Triple H here. You're just a B-plus player. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think he's good. I think he's, I think he's been a B-plus. I really do. Like, I, like, the more that we talk about this, like, I wanted to give him, like, a B-minus or, like, a C, like, a yeah. C-plus. But the more we talk, and it's, like, like the fact that we can't really come up with any really, really super negative things, yeah. aside from, like, a couple of returns and, you know, maybe a lack of a focus on the women's division. But those things are going to be fixed, I think. So we really can't come up with anything, like, really bad. And I think that's a telltale. You know, obviously, it's not been A-plus. It's not, you know, WWE's not doing 5 million on on the ratings anymore you know we don't have viral social media clips every single week huh. but you know yeah. we're, we're getting good quality wrestling yeah I I, yeah. I I don't really look at like what happens every single week on raw and smackdown i'm more looking at what the premium live events have been if there's good quality stories at least going on at at raw or smackdown and we've had good quality stories ever since triple h took over We've had good premium live events. It's really not much more we could ask for. 100%. So, yeah, uh, Kevin, hopefully in six months' time, we're looking back going, damn, that WrestleMania was one of the best we've seen in you know, the last decade minimum. And that blo- the way they blew off the Bloodline storyline there, now the Bloodline's like breaking up and they're going to do you know, Reigns Rock next year and they've announced it. And you know, Cody's having a really fun championship run and you've got this guy's doing this and the company's like really interesting hopefully it's like that around SummerSlam time i really do and i think with the direction they're going there's more reason to think they will than they won't so yeah generally kevin i thought i'd be more negative in this but i'd say he's done on the whole near enough as good as you can do um obviously some things good done better in my opinion just more so just booking and you know making the the week-to-week shows a bit more must-see with like angles and drama, but I mean, there's still been a bit of that. It hasn't just been like they've been Vince McMahon roars. So, yeah, yeah. And, and before we get out of here, I just want to spend a few minutes. Just okay, can we talk about WWE 2K23 for a minute? Go for it. Uh, have you seen any of the, the trailer or the the Cody Rose entrance? Have you seen any any of that stuff yet? I've seen the cover. That's literally about it. So inform me and lie to me, Kevin. What I need to know. Well, they uh, they gave a sneak peek. Xavier Woods and Cody gave a sneak peek of Cody's entrance. And 2K23, so far, from a visual perspective, it looks the same pretty much as 2K22, which was visually stunning. Um, and it's just cool to see Cody as the American Nightmare in a wrestling game. I, I don't know why. It was just cool to see. But so essentially what we're getting is some major new features. We're getting war games for the very first time in 2K23. In any wrestling video game. I think that's absolutely amazing. Uh, we're getting a John Cena showcase. Which is built around playing as John Cena's opponents in his biggest losses. And trying to beat him. Oh, okay. So you're playing like, you know, his debut match with Kurt Angle. The, the match with RVD at One Night Stand. Versus Rock at, at yep. 28. Versus Roman. Obviously, the biggest match that's not there is his match with Punk at 
Money in the Bank for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, it's not quite complete without that one in there. But I, I think, and there's some Ruthless Aggression era content in there. As you saw the cover, the icon cover is uh, seen, I don't know if it's the icon, but one of the covers is seen uh, as a Doctor of Thugonomics. Uh, we're getting like Ruthless Aggression era Orton, Batista as playable characters, which is just like, it's right up my alley as a, re- as a wrestling fan that who grew up in that time frame. It's, it's going to be pretty cool playing as Big Dave and, you know, Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar from that era, which is, it's pretty cool. You know, I, I, I'm excited for the game. I, I think it seems like WWE is doing a lot of things right right now. 2K23, as our favorite wrestling YouTuber, Pav said it could be generational. I don't know if I would go that far, but yeah. this this um this could be a wrestling game that we look back at and say, wow, this one, this one, it could be like a really good one, you know, like wow, this could be the best from the 2K series, or wow, this one might be on the same level as like SVR07. Who knows? So maybe in a way, I'm saying that it could be generational. Who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? I don't think it'll be that quite that good, but you never know. It, it certainly has potential. Absolutely. And yeah, so I guess we'll close out with that. And thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Uh, it's been a pretty good, on the whole, general discussion covering the main points of Triple H. And um, yeah, hopefully this, the, the report card in six more months is uh, you know, hitting hit the A territory because I'll tell you what, Kevin, if Triple H, if we're giving him like, like legitimately we're giving him A's, then the WrestleMania season and post-WrestleMania period has been a massive success. So yeah, hopefully getting him A's in six more months' time, pal. Oh, yeah. This was great. It was great talking Triple H with you. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.